name's Brooke, and I want to share my story with you. In 2012, I was sick, physically and spiritually. I was also in constant, at times, debilitating pain. I spent most of that year searching for answers, finding none. I can't begin to count the number of doctor visits, tests, nights I cried myself to sleep, desperate for something to change. Doctor bills started piling up and I sank deeper. God's promises just didn't seem to ring true for me. I believed Satan's lies that I just didn't deserve to be blessed by God, that this is just what life was for me. Uh, towards the end of that year, Pastor Allen announced his tithing challenge. He said if we weren't blessed by giving to God first from what He gives us, that they would give our money back. I had been giving to the church, but only what I thought I could afford with all the bills I had to pay. But I decided to take that challenge knowing in my heart that it's God's will for us to tithe. It was difficult at first, but I trusted God. So the first week of January, my boss calls and says, I'm getting a raise. I knew in that moment that God was at work. So I increased my tithe and my joy increased. Two weeks later, a doctor finally figures out what's making me sick. And my health turns around in a week and my joy increased. A couple months after that, I started seeing a counselor to start healing the spiritual brokenness, and my joy increased. I became a member of this church in May, and again, my joy increased. In August, I had a life-changing back surgery. Now I'm pain-free, and my joy has increased. While I was at home recovering from surgery, I get a call out of nowhere. Someone is moving to Corbin and they want to know if I'm interested in renting out my home. So I said yes. So again with the extra income, I increased my tithe and my joy again increased. My relationships are improving. My bills are paid. I feel like a new and improved version of myself. In Malachi 3, verse 10, God tells us, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, and see if I don't open the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Trust Him with your life, your relationships, your finances, your health, all of it. God is always, always faithful to His Word. Twenty-two years ago, I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Shortly thereafter, I was at the First Baptist Church in Black Mountain, and I was a new Christian, and I was in a classroom reading the Bible, and the pastor came in, 
And he said, what are you reading? And, and I told him I was reading Malachi 3. And he said, you know, Ken, he said, uh, I've been a minister for over 20 years, and he said, it's really hard for me to preach on that. And I thought I was amazed at it, being a new Christian. Why is that hard to preach on? He said, well, when I do, people think that I'm just trying to get a pay raise. And he said, it's just been difficult through the years for me to do that. And I kind of thought it was strange at the time. But now, 22 years later, no, I don't. I know many pastors, and I know that difficulty they have in regard to that. But I want to share with you today the things that God has shown me. I've been studying this issue on and off for that time of my, my life, but in the last two years, God has really engulfed me in, in the issues of giving and receiving and divine prosperity and what God wants to do with that. For two years, I've just studied. I've studied the Bible on and on, and I've books and books. And what I'm finding out every time I go speak somewhere and give this message or something similar to this message, people say, I, I haven't heard anybody talk about that in 20 years. I haven't heard anybody since I was a child. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with the pastorate that they're afraid to preach God's Word? And I understand it, but I don't understand it. Because this is the way God's going to bless you financially. This is not about someone trying to get money for themselves or to build bigger buildings or have things for themselves. This is for God to bless you. And we've got always in our society and in Christian, we've got two extremes. We've got the prosperity gospel. Get rich. Name it, claim it. And we've got the poverty gospel. I'm afraid to say anything. The, more, the poorer I am, the more religious I am. And the truth of the matter is, it's somewhere in the middle, my friends. It truly is somewhere in the middle. And interesting enough about this, God has shown me additional things that I want to share with you today that I've never seen before. Josh is going to have a job because I've got so many verses, I don't know that he can keep up with it. And if he can't, don't just listen to me. But I'm going to read the main passage, which is Malachi. And I'm going to talk today about the basis of your blessings, Malachi 3, chapter 10, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 7 through 15. And as I read the Word of God, I want you to listen to what God has to say to us here. Malachi, it says, Even from the days of your fathers, you were gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God, yet you've robbed me. But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out you a blessing that there shall not be enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all the nations shall call you blessed. For ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Let us go to the word of to God in prayer. Holy Spirit. We welcome you into our presence. Let us surrender our hearts and our minds to your heart 
in your mind. Speak to us today, each one of us, in your way to us individually. Because we realize that each one of us have different challenges in our life, financial challenges, obedience challenges, health challenges. But Lord, just like that girl on the, the video, Britt, show us, prove to us, that you will bless us. And Lord, have us have the faith and the courage to step out and believe all of your word. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you a question. If someone told you a man was born of a virgin, that he was God in the flesh, that he walked the earth and performed many miracles, that he went to a cross and he died for you. He rose again after the third day in a bodily resurrection. He was seen by his disciples and many others. And 40 days after that, he went to the right hand of the Father in heaven and an agent told his disciples, why do you gaze up there? That same man will return. Do you believe that? Then let me ask you, can you not God believe God with your money? If you can believe that, now you want to know why the world doesn't believe that? On the mind, on your natural mind, what I just said, that is hard to believe. Think about it. Born of a virgin, God in the flesh, went to the cross, bodily resurrection, miracles, coming back. You have to have faith to be a believer in Jesus Christ. God has to give you that faith. That's not something you can generate yourself. And I challenge you today because the Word of God challenges you. God will bless you if you begin to give your tithes and offerings. Not only will He bless you financially, He will bless you spiritually. This is the basis of your blessing. The basis, the foundation of the blessing. There is a moral restoration by giving your tithes and offerings. A tithe, if you don't know, is 10% of your income. An offering is above that. Remember in the epistle of John, it says, if we confess our sins, we are, he's faithful and just and forgive us. Today is a blank slate. If you've not been practicing this financial prosperity formula that the Word of God is, today you can ask forgiveness and obedience step out. In Samuel it says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obeying God is better than sacrifice. If you want a revival, a spiritual revival in your life, and if money is holding you back, it will consistently hold you back. And here's why. Many of us will go to work tomorrow. Why? To make money. The bills will come in. The power bill, the water bill, the car payment, the rent payment, the mortgage. It's on your mind if you will think about it. It's on your mind all week. Money in one way, shape, or form is constantly before us. That is how important it is to our life. So this is how important it is for God to intervene in your life, spiritually, morally, to show you that He will take care of that if you'll only have the trust 
and the belief that he can do that. You know, people have argued through the hundreds of years, whether tithing is New Testament or whether it's Old Testament. I'm going to show you what I believe that it is in here. But let's, let's look at this. I think the church has already decided, not this church, but church in general has decided that whether it is or it isn't, they've decided it's not. Barna Research Group says between 2.5 to 4% of Christians in the world even bother to tithe. So the majority of us have decided that tithing is not for us today. I suggest to you that it is for us today and that if the church worldwide began to give 10%, we would see many of our problems in our own life disappear, but we could preach the gospel into all the world immediately, right then. We could feed the poor. We could clothe the poor. We could lead others to Christ. We could go into unknown regions. And the reason we have, it's always, we feel like someone's asking for us for money. The pastor shouldn't be asking us for money. God is telling us that He will bless us. He will bless us. But He wants to prove it to us. There's that material restoration. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Numbers. 2319, the Lord showed me this. I've known this scripture for a long time. Numbers 2319 says this. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or shall, hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Is God a man that he should lie? Is the son of man that he should repent? God's word is true. This is God speaking to us today. And he's saying to us today, am I a man that I should lie to you? Am I like the son of man that I should repent from my lie? God is speaking to you today and he's saying that every bit of this Bible is true. Not one error in it. This is God's word. Keep that in your heart. Sink it into your mind. And God will change your life today if you'll step out with your money and find out what He wants you to do in your life. The material restoration. He says, prove me. He says, prove me. He says, test me in verse 10. If I will not open up the heavens towards you. This is the only place that I'm aware of in the Scripture that God says, challenge me. Test my word. If you don't believe, step out in faith. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. He's talking to his children. He wants to financially bless you. Have you ever noticed that many of the children of Israel, even the modern day of the world today, are financially blessed people? That principle, they understand the principle. A small group of people, the Israelites, even to this day, many of them are wealthy. They know how to make money because they understand God's principles. They understand this very clearly, that they give their money and tithes and offerings so God will bless them. And us, today, God is talking to you. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He wants you to listen to His words, but He's saying, challenge me. Can you imagine anywhere else in the Scripture where God says, challenge me if you don't believe me? If you don't believe this is true, 
challenge me and the windows of heaven will open up. You know, this started in the very beginning. I've read this one scripture many times. It's in Genesis chapter 4. It's about Cain and Abel. And all of a sudden, the last two of the weeks, God impressed upon me to speak to you about chapter 4 and verse 4. Do you remember Cain and Abel, the children of Adam and Eve? It says this, And Abel, he also brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. I always wondered, what's the difference between the flock and the fruit of the ground? And I always, for some reason, I always thought it was because it was symbolic of the Lamb of God and the blood. But the more I studied this, God showed me this. Abel, the firstling, he means the first, the best of his crop, he brought. But Cain just brought the fruit of the ground. When you study in the Old Testament, they were supposed to bring their first fruits. They were supposed to bring the very best first to the offering. That's why the very beginning, it was caused by the fact that Cain and Abel came to God with two different approaches. Abel brought the first, his very best, but his brother brought the leftovers. He brought the leftovers. In other words, I'm going to give God what I've got left, but his brother get the very best, the first out of his flock, the firstborn, the best he had, he gave him. And look at that. When we give our money to the church, to God, do we just write a check on what's left over? Or do we write the very best, the very first 10% out of our income? And do we set it aside before we write anything else and pay under the bills? That's what I believe God was showing me in here. From the very beginning, there was a fight over it. From the very, very beginning. But God still blesses us bringing our very best to him today. Where do we bring that? We bring it to the local storehouse, which today is your local church, whether that be of a group that meets, meets in a home or an industrial building like we have today or a traditional church building that we see out in our community. That's where you bring it so it can be dispersed. First, for those who work for the church, then to help others in the community, whether that be the, the poor, the orphans, the widows, whether that be to preach the gospel into all the world, to a foreign land. But we bring that in here. And that 10% is a divine prosperity idea. The number 10 means divine prosperity. God didn't make these numbers up in the Bible just for different readings. Have you ever noticed in the Bible how many times there's 10? Have you ever noticed in the Bible how many times there's three? Have you ever noticed in the Bible how many times there's seven? How many times there's 40? How many times there's eight? How many times there's 12? How many times there's five? Numbers have meaning in the Bible. And the number 10 means divine sufficiency. To bring it into the storehouse, there is a supernatural law out there that we can't see. That's what our faith's about. Think about it. If you plant grass 
in your front yard and you get plenty of rain and plenty of sun. You can watch the grass grow. That's natural. We know it. But there's a spiritual aspect that we cannot see with our eyes that takes a faith to see, to see into the spiritual realm that God is telling us if we plant that seed into His kingdom that it will bring back to you open heavens and that money will go for bigger, better, and more important things into God's kingdom. Rebuking the devourer. Who is our devourer? Satan himself. Has this ever happened to you? Every time you got ready to write a check or pull cash out of your pocket to bring to church to put in the offering, has the thought came, well, I really can't afford to do that, or the thought came, well, I'll, I'll give a little less because I've got to pay this other bill. Has anybody ever had that? It happens every time. I'm telling you, it happens to me. It still happens to me. And that's the devourer in our mind process, trying to just not to trust God because He does not want you to be blessed. He wants your fruit of the grounds to be eaten up. That's an agricultural example because they were an agricultural society. I shared this last week. I don't believe I've ever even shared it with my wife. I'm not a farmer, nor do I pretend to be a farmer, but I own a farm, okay? And I won't go into a lot of issues on that. I inherited a farm, okay? And uh, God showed me something about six or seven months ago. I think he showed it to me so I could share it with you guys. The hay was, wow, I was impressed. It was so thick, and it was, it comes right up to the house, and it was just laying over, and I mean, there was no, you couldn't see anything, and I thought, wow, that first cutting the hay is going to be marvelous. So I contacted the guy that cuts the hay and rolls the hay. He's been part of friendship with our family for many, many years, and his father going back 60 or 70 years. And he came by, and I said, boy, that, you know, the hay looks fabulous. He said, you know, since I started helping Dad when I was about 12 or 13 years old over here cutting that hay, and he said, I was thinking the same the other day. I have never, ever, ever seen it that thick. And, you know, right when it started in the spring, I stepped out by myself in that field right near it, and I prayed to God to show me how it works agriculturally instead of, in the pocketbook, and he did. He did. He showed me how they saw this hundreds of hundreds of hundreds of years ago. And it's the same principle. If you give the money to God, he will multiply it back to you, and it will be a tremendous harvest in the devourer. He'll rebuke him. He'll say, keep your hands off my children because they're following my divine principles. And that's what I want to share with you today. That's what I want to encourage you today. That's what I want to motivate you to do, to motivate you. It may not happen immediately when you do it, but if you keep sowing your seeds of offering and tithes into God's kingdom, it has to come back. 
It has to because God has a promise to you. And once I said earlier, if you can believe that Jesus was who he said he was, that is easy compared to believing this. Think about it. Think about the logic in the human mind. If you can believe that Jesus was born of that virgin, that he was God in the flesh, and I know you believe, did many miracles, went to the cross, that his shed blood was for us, resurrected after the third day, went to be at the right hand of the Father. You can believe this. Because on comparison, this is even much easier to believe. And it's all about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Without this faith, it is impossible to please Him. Impossible. So you have to step out of faith with your tithes and offerings. You've got to have courage, my friends. Courage to step out and believe God's Word. There's a renewing of our fruitfulness. You know, you hear this a lot. Why should I go to your church? You don't act any different than I do. Maybe a little truth to that. Maybe sometimes our language, maybe sometimes our attitudes, maybe sometimes the way we live doesn't impress upon anybody that there's any difference or any point of coming to church and worshiping God. And maybe you and I should take to heart when someone says that to you. Maybe you're not living the way. But in the scripture in here, there's a promise. All nations shall call you blessed, for you will be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. The promise in here is when you begin to live by that divine principle, people are going to take notice. What's going on? Man, it just seems like this guy gets a raise. It just seems like they're never having to buy all the things we're buying. They, they, they seem like that God just blesses them financially, and people will take notice. They will take notice, and you can give them an answer for your hope. Look at the small country of Israel, a very tiny, tiny, tiny country, very powerful militarily very financially blessed. And even though we have our differences because we believe Jesus has already come and they don't, they're still, even though they're living out of the Old Testament, that divine principle is working for them because the Jewish people understand of giving their money to God and being blessed. They're not stupid. They know who puts butter on their bread. They understand it. And we should learn from them but we can be seen as those blessed people. We can be seen where people say, man, what, what's going on in your life? And you say, I'm a believer in Jesus, and the reason I'm financially blessed is because I give into his kingdom. That's why he blesses me. And yes, he does bless you, but bless you financially. And don't let anybody tell you he doesn't. Because that's a devourer trying to remove it from your mind. Give to God's money and they have expectation that God wants to bless you. Because there's that unseen world. And if you get what you expect, 
If you don't expect God to bless you, He won't. Because you will not believe this part of His Word. You will not step out in faith. Let me talk to you about a guy here that had a little faith, and then again he did in Mark chapter 9. God showed me this the other day, and I've known this for a very long time, but I just want to share it with you. Mark chapter 9, verses 22 through 24. And oftentimes it hath cast him into fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou cast, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou can believe us, all things are possible to him that believeth. Here's the key part. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. This is about a miracle that was getting ready to happen. He said, I believe, but the next word he said, well, help my unbelief. It seems like a contradiction. Not really. You're hearing this message today, and you're saying, I believe. And then there's time for you to write the check or take the cash out of your pocket or, or pay on the credit card online or however you do it, and you hesitate. I believe, Lord, but struggling with this. Help thou my unbelief. Ask God to help you. When you say, I believe, but I'm struggling with this. Those thoughts come to your mind. I have this to pay instead. I have that to pay instead. Just step out in faith and say, Lord, I believe, but, but help me believe more. That's really what that scripture is saying. Help me even believe more because God will do that for you. God loves a cheerful giver, and you know this, and I'm going to tell you at the very end about another person, the widow. Mark chapter 12, 41, the widow's might. Normally, I don't go through this many scriptures. I try to stay in one passage. But God just kept showing me things over and over that I've never seen before. So I just wanted to share with them before you. We've all heard the, the passage about the widow's might, the poor lady who gave all. Verse 41 says, And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and beheld how that the people cast money into the treasury. And many that were rich cast in much. And there was a certain poor widow. And she threw in two mites. Which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them. Verily I say unto you. That this poor widow hath cast more in than all they have cast in the treasury. For they did cast in out of their abundance, but she of her want did she cast in all she had, even all her living. Most of the time when you hear that passage preached, it's emphasized the poor woman giving all, isn't it? Let me show you something I've read many times that God's pointed out to me. And it said, Jesus sat over against the treasury. First of all, in the temple, Jesus was watching people give their money. He was watching. Does he watch any less today? Think about that. He was watching how people gave their money. 
Then he called his disciples over to talk to them about it. I want to show you something. Was, there was a teaching moment there. But it was just not this poor lady that gave everything. She had a need. And I believe, it says out of her want, she was taking a tremendous step of faith. She had nothing left to even buy food or water or anything at this point. She was taking a tremendous step of faith. But it didn't necessarily beat up on those who had abundance. It just said that those who had a lot gave. So those who have a lot give. But if you've got want, a need in your life, remember God's watching you. And he knows your need and your want. But he's wanting you to test him. And this poor widow or woman here that didn't have anything left, I believe she believed more than all of us. I think she knew, and I wish the story was there, like in the Old Testament. There are two stories very similar to that, that God blessed those people financially in the book of Kings with Elijah and Elisha. She knew. I'm going to give it all and see what happens. I'm going to test him. And keep in mind, Jesus is there at our treasury that we have here in those little silver buckets. And he's watching you and I to see how much we believe because he also wants us to be a cheerful giver. He also says that whatever we sow, we shall reap. And that is a prosperity message. That is a prosperity message in Corinthians. But I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God love a cheerful giver. And to show you that he is talking about money, the Apostle Paul. And God is able to make all grace abound to, towards you, that always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. All sufficiency. He goes on to say in verse 10 there, And now he that ministers seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Once again, there's a moral restoration. It's a revival. You want revival in your life? Let God control your money. And I can assure you this, until God controls your money, there will be no revival in your life. You can't. Because you're saying, I don't trust you with that. Today, you have a choice. You can take God's word. You can apply it to your heart. Or you can reject it. When the Apostle Paul was preaching on Mars Hill, it said when those scholars, which most of them were, when they heard his word, there were three reactions to that. Some believed 
Some rejected it. Some want to think about it. Most of the time when we have to think about it, we don't do anything with it, do we? So today, God's giving you a choice. Do you believe it? Do you reject it? Do you want to think about it? That's up to you. That's totally up to you. Let's pray together. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us today. We love you. We give you honor. We give you praise. We give you glory. Have a step out in faith, Lord. Have us challenge you. Have us prove you. Have us test you. That you will complete your word. That you will rebuke the devourer for our sakes. That you will open the windows of heaven and pour out enough blessing that we cannot even receive it. Lord, us have faith as a people and to step out. Change us, O oh Lord. Help us be obedient to your word and step out in faith. These things I pray in the name above all names, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the name that every knee shall bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen.